This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Hello. Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of FNI Rap Chat. So going back five years, going back to number four, episode number four, Frankie Fenton came on to talk about his film, Not... It's not, it's not yet dark. Not yet dark. <laughs> not dark yet. <laughs> I always mix it up. Um, it's the sentiment that matters. So, yeah, and it was it was a brilliant conversation. really stuck with us. That was a film that I know Paul was very moved by as mm-hmm. well, and I, it really stuck with me. Um, and the, the story of Simon Fitzmaurice and his, his, his battle uh, to to direct a film before he mm-hmm. died essentially um, and it uh, has yeah has really stuck with all of us um, it's a wonderful so piece of work and it's you know it's 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 testament to the filmmakers and, and it says a lot about Frankie and also Catherine um, his partner uh, and producer um, just their integrity and their work and follow like the, the importance of the subject matters in which they're dealing with in their, in their work is, uh, is really inspiring yeah, um, and, it, and I often say this, but it's like Atomic Hope, their new their new documentary, which is out in cinemas on the seventeenth of February, is a very important film. Um, yeah, because I know both of us learned something, uh, an important. Uh, um, yeah, and it does give hope. There are solutions there. It's it's not another kind of doom and gloom film about the state of the planet. It is about. Um, Changing people's mind, people's minds, and activism, and uh, learning and trusting science, um, and it's done in a very entertaining way. It's it's a really great watch. It's not a bore fest at all. No. So we really would encourage people to to go see this film and tell people about it. It's 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 an important one, and or important can be a byword for boring, but it's not. No, not at all. Like like so it's 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 very engaging, and it's it's a film that will have you talking to people about the subject matter. Which is what you know. Um, what is the important uh, is what is most important about this film, um, and Catherine's done some lovely work over the last the last ten years um, with her company Kennedy Films, if denominated. Um, um, so you know we we're delighted to get Catherine on because we've been talking about trying to wrangle her in for <laughs> for years, for years yeah. um, <laughs> just didn't get a chance. Um, um, so yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know this one is a, a really interesting one with some really really um, dedicated and informed filmmakers. Um, it's really one for kind of uh, from an an, an advice driven perspective. It's, it's it's a really important one today. Yeah. So any F and I news? No, none today. Okay. No, we're quiet on the F and I front. Um, but as always, if you'd like to support Film Network Ireland head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI and become a member because what it does is it keeps the lights on and the, uh, you know in our li- a little office um, and it helps um, with some future projects that we're working on behind the scenes and uh, as you know you know with the energy crisis and so on it's very important that we get to keep the lights on yeah so let's go to Frankie Fenton and Catherine Kennedy
So we're back in the studio um, for another episode of Rap Chat. How are we all doing? Very well. Very well. Good. You're very welcome back. The two-timer club. <laughs> wow. Uh, Frankie Fenton. Welcome. Not yeah, quite Saturday Night Live, but uh, you know, we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah, uh, there have been one or two who've, who've come back. But oh, yeah. I'm not the first. Okay. Yeah. All right. okay. <laughs> were, you, were you feeling the pressure coming in? I, I still feel honoured. <laughs> I do. I really do. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. It, it's, oh, no. It must be. As we were saying before, it's it's five years since you were on yeah. first, but your last film, well, uh, not dark yet. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it, like, yeah, I know it's such a like awkward worst. title. It's not yet dark. Not yet dark. Yeah, sorry, sorry. yeah. It's I don't worry. I, I, get get I get it wrong. I get it wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon Fitzmaurice was a poet, and uh, yeah, he made the uh, he wrote that book. It's not yet dark, and it's very lyrical, but yeah. it's really hard to say sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we'll be talking about. Atomic Hope, your new film. We both watched it and loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, thank you. And it is a film about science. So it, it's not uh, the most obvious film for people to go see in the cinema. Sure. Can you give us a, kind of a, a pitch give to, us our, the elevator. to our audience? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah, I know. It's an, well, it's a film really about the activists and about activism and kind of, you know, being that lonely world of trying to change the world for a better place, even though people are kind of, mostly starkly against you um so about 10 years ago i kind of i had i had started making a film about this thing called thorium um about this other form of of nuclear energy that seemed to answer a lot of the problems that we have with the world about the safety and proliferation and um you know some of those things were kind of true some of them weren't but kind of got me the bug to kind of to actually um explore the topic a little bit more but i originally just started filming um you know uh kind of older physicists you know in general kind of pale male and stale type people <laughs> right, in front right. of bookcases that kind of thing but right. as time went on <laughs> i kind of realized yeah <laughs> that's my first time hearing that one <laughs> actually you can was thank it, john murphy it? for that one he okay kind of, i think yeah but um yeah and i honestly it's kind of hard to find people who can really speak um eloquently and kind of communicate science in a, in a, in a good way and the people who i was finding who were able to do that were these kind of newer advocates of nuclear power who were environmentalists that kind of mm-hmm. saw it as a as a means to kind of combat climate change and that became very interesting mm-hmm. and so um, D- yeah. long difficult syllable word alert coming up everybody <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our best not to get through them um, how did so wh- where was the genesis of the of, of the project from your perspective because even way back then you like it and, and it's no secret that this was, this was a long time in the making oh yeah like what what was it the perpetual interest was it around the time when you were starting a family and you became more conscious of the environment or what was it exactly? Yeah, a lot of people say that, that they're trying to, you know, you know, yeah, I looked into my child's eyes and I just couldn't, you know, no, it was way before that. I think it was actually in 2009, my friend Des had handed me a, 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 a article in Wired magazine okay. um, talking about, about this thing called Thorium. And honestly, it, like it, it seemed to be something that would, if it was true, if this nuclear thing was something that could, you know, work and that people could get on board with, it seemed to kind of actually be a real solution for some of the biggest problems that we have in the world. So, um, you know, it, it looks like in the next kind of by the year 2050, we're going to have a doubling or tripling of the current energy that we're using. And while our population rises and as technology gets bigger, it's not mm-hmm. the actual energy that we need at the moment that we need to combat from fossil fuels. It's also 
the like the the rest of the the house that's on fire. So yeah. that's going to be on fire. Like immediately, I'm just thinking that I left the immersion on. And I'm, freaking, <laughs> I'm, freaking, I'm freaking out. <laughs> 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 um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it was basically that, and kind of uh, not only that, but you you know, if if that is an actual like solution if nuclear power wasn't as bad as we thought it was mm-hmm. if it wasn't like uh, the simpsons like you know with their three eyed fish and you know dropping the plutonium into marge's hair kind Ex- of stuff. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah you know, if it just... wasn't that if that wasn't true then perhaps you know we needed to kind of maybe listen to some of the people who had really thought this thing out yes so, I, I, I just from my own perspective watching it um i was like conflicted very positively uh, like because you have an idea of what you think of the negativity and the chernobyl stories and mm. um you know and the the effects and that kind of it was like, like the big bad wolf and obviously the hiroshima thing and um you know it, people really it's just a really good example that people need to deep dive and do the research mm. on issues it's like hard really. it's it, you know and that kind of that's another thing that kind of, i wanted to take on something that was very if you know if i was able to explain this and understand it, you know, and able to kind of put that out, and you know what I mean, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because it is such a huge, big, difficult subject matter. And you know, if you're going to find out the truth, it's so vague sometimes. Some of these things, and and as mm-hmm. time has come come on, and we have access to the internet, we've got access to data, like to uh, papers and data points and scientists. Um, now is a kind of a really good time to try and prod those experts and kind of get them to explain to us what's going on with this with this technology and. If, if we've been kind of led up the garden path on a few different things and tell us why, and then we can make up a mind about whether we all want it or not. Yeah, and it's fact-based, which is very important to say. Yeah, I mean, we're coming out of a post-pandemic um, you know, world where we're all told that we need to listen to the science. And, you know, I think it's kind of true that in any family around the world, we probably had those kind of rife discussions about, about what is the science and what the facts are and that. But the, the facts about nuclear power were something that was kind of always um, contested. And actually, the actual facts of, of the UN and UNSCA reports and World Health Organization from, like, say, Chernobyl, for example, mm-hmm. um, those facts that they're putting out there are shocking to us. They're so kind of different to how we would have thought about what the actual results were from 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 that disaster. So. Um, it's just about kind of okay. These are the official numbers, and I'll throw them. Away. I think people in Ireland would be shocked, like completely bowled over, like that can't be true. Which is kind of um, what I've been getting so far. It's like, well, like, are, can you believe in these people, or do you actually believe? And it's mm. like, well, that's what... scientists. <laughs> these, are, yeah. I mean, this is it. I mean, it, like, I, I can't. I'm a filmmaker from Maurice. You know, I, I, but I can point at. Um, I can't point at. You know the UN and World Health Organization say to you that the way they came up with those numbers was decades of rigorous data points and, you know, countless universities and scientists coming together to kind of determine what the risk of radiation is on people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what they're coming out with is it's it's really it, that was terrible. It was really, really, really bad. However, it is nowhere near as bad as we thought it was. And in the in the times that we are living in right now with climate change, 
you know, perhaps we need to kind of readdress what we think is dangerous and what we need to do in order to combat the problems in the future. Or which is the lesser of two evils in terms of the, you know, the survival well, of humanity, ultimately. You know? Well, yeah, or, you know, you can pick 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 your car. I mean, because it's, it's the biosphere. It's, you know, <laughs> you know, we also want to be kind to the people who are being born in, you know, in other countries who uh, have not been born in, in such luxurious countries that we live in. And we want to make sure that they live comfortably and have access to the same kind of, you know, things that we did, too. So it's um, there's lots of ethical and moral kind of issues with it, too. Um, but and yeah. it all makes for a fantastic documentary <laughs> out this Friday. Um, Catherine, how, how, so how did you come on or like how far along were things like yeah. do you come along with your producer head and go? There definitely is a film. How does well, that dynamic yeah, that work? Was, it was interesting, actually, because myself and Frankie were working on It's Not Yet Dark together and um. Frankie showed me his first cut of The Good Reactor, which was the, the film he um, got funded through Kickstarter. It was £46,000 sterling he raised to do a first edit of this film. And he showed it to me. And he'd been filming for maybe five years or four years at that stage or something like that. And it was all, as he said, you know, men against bookcases, talking science. <laughs> and it was a little bit corporate and a little bit kind of, uh, stale I suppose but what was really interesting about it I just I had never heard of thorium I hadn't realized there was a third kind of nuclear energy element and um, all of these people were giving it uh, talking about it in a very hopeful way and uh, trying to address science that I hadn't heard before so it was just really intriguing and we were trying to figure out how to how to communicate it how to make a film out of it basically and um with It's Not Yet Dark, we were telling a story of a man who had a disability who, who went on to make art through the use of eye-gaze technology. And in that film, myself and Frankie and the other producers, Leslie and Jackie, made a decision that we weren't going to go heavy-handed on you know his disability and like mm -hmm. what he needs to get through each day, but we were going to talk instead about the love story between him and his wife. And that really kind of showed a lot more about what he was achieving with what he was doing every single day rather than showing, you know, how he was getting in and out of bed or how he was getting in and out of the shower. So that kind of informed our approach to this film where we were saying, you know, trying to appeal to the heart rather than to people's intellects necessarily is, um, is, a, is a good first step. And then we started looking at the activists themselves and Frankie went to film COP21 and he showed me some footage that he got of Eric, who was singing an opera song on a tr in, mm -hmm. in a train, you know, nuclear power holds the key. Like, and I was thinking, that guy is mental, but it's also really interesting. Um, and then you have these really kind of very American, you know, engineers and just kind of just, just a vast swathe of characters. And we kind of went, that's the way into it. Let's film these people and what they're trying to do, these passionate people. And, and their goal is to spread this word as, as much as possible. And in doing that, then we we got to learn the science in a way that was a lot more engaging. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, access the science yeah. through the humanity of them. I kind of just yeah. show them as and people rather than yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So the scientists that we have in the documentary, though, are like the eminent scientists in the field. Um, uh, Geraldine Thomas is the chair of the Chernobyl Tissue Bank. She went over there to just like to find problems with Chernobyl to just try and discover the the negative impacts of this radiation. And it's what her discoveries were after like decades of rigorous research that is the most surprising thing, I think, in this documentary and which I think people will be really surprised to find out, you know. Um, 
So yeah, I don't think I'll go too much into it because <laughs> yeah. I can't actually talk too fluently about the science or give you the percentages the or the numbers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <He's a pantan. laughs> um, oh no, that, that's that's yeah. great. Uh, we might go back just to how you yeah. originally got into film and producing. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Well. God, it's so long. Ago. When were you born? Yeah, exactly. Where were you born? Just Doesn't everything sit up there in that chair? It feels like BC before crime, before <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. BP, what what is that world? Um. Well, okay. So I went to uh, Dunleary Film School and um, did the degree there. I actually specialised in cinematography and then direction. Uh, but my short film that I did in the final year, I hope it's never dug out of the archives. It was before <laughs> digital stuff, really. So uh, that that was a bit of a flop. But I left that course and um, went into assistant directing and working on film crews and tried to just figure out, you know, if I was going to direct a film, you know, how do people handle crews? Like people who are in the business 30, 40 years, you know, electricians to production designers. And here's me wanting to direct all of these people, you know, at the age mm -hmm. of 25 or whatever. So I did that and then actually uh, ended up moving into production and went back and did a master's in screenwriting. And when I came out of that, I was kind of thinking, well, I'd be because I wanted to be creative, um, but I wasn't sure I really wanted to take a step into directing at that stage. And uh, then Simon Fitzmaurice's script was sent to me. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that he was such an incredible person and his uh, short films were so incredible that I had to take it on. And so and just before that, actually, I had done a short film called Just Saying, which it was my first yeah, project yeah. with this with my company, um, which went with viral. Yeah, with, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. And Dave Tynan. Short, yeah. yeah went viral that Christmas and then I was sent to Simon's film. So it sort of felt like producing and working with people on their creative endeavors was somewhere I could really naturally fit into because I had that creative um, intention myself, I suppose. And yeah, that's how I kind of started. <laughs> and what was what was your reason for doing that course in the first place? Was there any in it? Was there always this burning? How did it, what, did, what, was the for, what was the first film you want to see in the cinema when you were? 14, well, do you know, it's funny, like, uh, I, I remember doing my interview for that course and they were like, well, what's your favourite, who's your favourite director? And I was like, Steven Spielberg, because Jurassic Park had, had a huge impact on me. You'd be amazed how much that's going <laughs> up. Jurassic Park and Terminator 2. Exactly. Like some of the most art house people in the world. Yeah, ter Terminator 2. I like the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, all right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, uh, I've always loved English and art and painting and um I suppose, yeah, the visual medium of film just was something that grabbed me. Uh, what's, what it was Home Alone. It was Home Alone. It's totally it's Home Alone. Well, film is amazing. It's always, um, it's always kind of... It's all connected, though, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Um, just, I, I might talk to you about, like, the journey of... Uh, my name is Ele uh, Emily. Just, yeah. just, like, it was such a, a rootsy, earthy, beautiful success story about how the funding came around mm. and everything else. And just in terms of how it kind of flourished on social media and it became that like a, like a, an important little project for what it was at that time. Yeah. I just remember it just kind of lit the internet on fire for three <laughs> or four years, uh, three or four months. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, what was it like working in that environment and on that particular script? And um, what did you learn from that that you've brought into future endeavours? Yeah, gosh, um, there's a lot there. It was a, it was such a. It feels like it was really fast now in retrospect. Yeah. But at the time, it was just so fully immersive. Um, it was very interesting. Um, it was a very steep learning curve curve as well. I was very lucky to be with Leslie McKim and Jackie Larkin in New Grinch Pictures. We co-produced it together. So, 
they uh, taught me a huge amount about just getting a production budget together and mm -hmm. you know dragging the beast up the hill or whatever um <laughs> but uh working with simon himself was it was just god it's hard to put into words um it was tough but it was like when you see what he had to put into just even writing a sentence so it would take five minutes for him to write something with his eyes on the screen and then you think wow he he didn't start his script that way but he finished his script that way mm -hmm. and any changes we had to make um he had to execute them with in that way and he did everything himself so it kind of i suppose honed us in like these days we send texts and emails and you know i, I have another thought about that and like you know you're constantly chatting mm -hmm. about oh what about this and oh, i'll actually have changed my mind maybe we should do it this way and you were thinking about how much he has to do just to kind of take that conversation and he loved those conversations don't get me wrong but as a producer uh it made me stop and really think about what it was that i needed him to do or what i wanted where i wanted that script to go and myself and Leslie would have long conversations about it before we'd funnel any of our thoughts through to him in a way. Um, because and, and, and it was the same on the set with with the crew and everything. You have all the different departments, you know, 60 people, maybe every single day wanting to ask. It sounds like something. that was like a positive thing. I mean, most yeah. people probably think of it as a kind of a negative thing to have like your director yeah. take so long to come back to you. But well, he, uh, but that's the thing. He didn't take so long. It was just that you had to appreciate what he, he had to do to, to do that. So you're kind of thinking about, well, I could send him eight emails or I could send him one really good email. And then he doesn't have to spend four hours writing back to me. He can take, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's just being a bit more thoughtful about how we send email blizzards to people, yeah. and in the creative process, how we can all get really like carried away. And I think Simon himself, uh, that was hard for him too because he, like, I never knew him before he, he spoke using eye gaze technology. But from the footage when we were making the documentary and just what people would talk about, he was a great talker. Um, so I think that must have been as tough for him to not be able to sit down and spar with somebody about the different ideas. Mm -hmm. But then it also gave him a huge amount of, um, I suppose, how he, his thought processes were very deep. And he or an economy, economy, economy of thought. Economy of thought, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he had no, he, what did he say? I, I, he just wanted to make his film. His, his desire to make a film was all he had to just, he just wanted to, to, to do that one thing. And he didn't feel, as he said, encumbered by a career as such. He just wanted to make this particular piece. And he knew exactly what he wanted, you know. Be an artist. He wanted to be yeah. an artist. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good Incredible because story. I've worked I've worked with other writers, lots of writers since, and it's amazing how he could you could give him all this feedback on the script and he would come back and with just very succinct what he wanted to do. He thought about it deeply and then executed it. And you then have to get your head around why he did that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it seems sparse, but then other, th you know, but then you kind of think when you go, I can see why he did that and ignored all that, or you know. Um, whereas I think sometimes we can all be a bit reactive when we're developing stuff, and you can end up pulling loads of different threads and making a big floppy mm -hmm. mess of the script, <laughs> you know. Whereas if you don't have the time to <laughs> to do that, you have to think about it a bit more, I suppose. Yeah. 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 We fun. had Michael Smiley. Oh yeah, and and yeah, he he loved that film. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I have a lot of footage of Michael Smiley on that <laughs> set of that movie, and he's a very funny guy. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, yeah. I'd he looked he, like he was enjoying himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'd say he's a 
he's one of those great people to have. Oh, he's just a character. Yeah, yeah. you just you know you'll pull just so much fun. Well, out I had of so any. much respect for him the day we did the naked dash into the sea. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there we and I actually didn't realize that because the assistant directing team had done such amazing work sourcing all these people who were willing to run nude into the sea with Michael Smiley, and he was there in all his glory, yeah. ran into the sea and turned around, and there were all these strangers jumping in <laughs> with him. Thanks very much, Simon. But like that's that's that was an amazing scene. Um, but when we were interviewing all the different people on the beach, they all had stories to do with motor neuron disease or MS or really? something. And it was a it was an amazing day. Yeah, wow. I keep using the word amazing. Which <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was amazing. It was amazing. I, think, yeah, yeah. I just had so much respect for Michael to really yeah. you know get that energy yeah. into everybody. Mm. You know, and it was a rainy day too. <laughs> it didn't right. look that lovely on yeah. that beach. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you produced the documentary. Yeah. As yeah. well, so was that how was that kind of experience? Was it something like that you realized early on that we have to? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, myself and Leslie spoke about it an awful lot, and we were kind of concerned about distracting because there was so much to do. With My name is Emily of having that dual focus, like shooting a film about him while making a film about him. But it was just so clear that something like this probably wasn't going to be done again, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. or you know, and definitely hadn't been done before. And I don't think enough was really said about how, how what Simon had achieved by doing it. You know, what message he gave people in similar circumstances, you know, that it, I suppose. Um, yeah, There's so much more to, to the story. Yeah, that needs, yeah. Needs but there is, told. you know, on the yeah. other side. And I think um, like there's so many layers to it and how it impacted people in different mm-hmm. ways. And, um, you know, but from my personal experience with it, I just thought that it was uh, it was just really as I said, amazing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and in conclusion, it's <laughs> all rather amazing. <laughs> and so, so you have a career producer, you do yeah. AD, like how do you, like the nitty gritty stuff, how you, you know, you don't get to make or produce loads and loads of features and hopefully someday you will, but how, how do you kind of manage your career <laughs> and, and all that, you know, yeah. are you doing stuff in between and all that? How do, how do you produce your life? Around, around, <laughs> yeah. No help from me. That's a very good question. <laughs> um, um, well, I suppose to survive as a production company, you need to have a number of things on the go at, at all times, which is very tough. And it's tough being an independent producer these days. And um, so, you know, financially and everything to be like making fiction film is very tough because you can be developing a script for six years and it doesn't go go ahead when you're financing it so that's it's kind of uh finding the balance between um between trying to do everything that you love and then being realistic about what you need to do to survive so you know um which one's going to run and which yeah, one isn't which sometimes exactly, kill your, yeah. kill your uh, darlings you yeah know, or maybe do the projects that some projects that are just a little bit not you know they're create always creative and always of a high standard but that um, are quick turnarounds, I suppose, you know. There's only so much bandwidth, and yeah. with that comes sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> and you must continuously kill the babies. <laughs> but, like, yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's it's about having the, the arms in the fire and kind of, mm. you know, and then you just have to pick one and kind of go with it and kind of dedicate your time. I think it's what, you could be an editor, it would be the same. It's kind of like, okay, which one is kind of go, going to go ahead? Which one is definitely getting the money? Which one's actually happening? Mm. Yeah. And then kind of, you know... Because it'd be great to be able to do everything, wouldn't it? But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to be selective with who you work with as well. And I think when I was first starting 10 years ago, my, my company is 10 years old now. 
Um, Happy birthday, Candy. Yeah, Bruno. 10 years in 2022, <laughs> so it's just a little bit older than that. Uh, but, um, I, you know, I was kind of always going for things that were very inspirational to me. But actually, it's, it's hard to say, but you really need to have the people beside, like, you know, the idea has to be good, but the person has to be strong. And, you know, um, so I've gotten a lot more selective in what I take on and um, mm-hmm. because it is that balance between your kids at home and what you're putting your energy into and what's going to put bread on the table mm-hmm. and then for example last year we thought a couple of films might have gone ahead but they didn't so I took on a line producing job you know so it's you kind of constantly having to do that sort mm-hmm. of mix of stuff you should yeah. put that miracle club coming out this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. very excited to hear about we that we have a Jimmy on as well J- Jimmy this. pitched oh, uh, oh he, yeah. he, he had quite a pitch yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was inspirational actually yeah yeah, yeah. So that's happening? Is that, uh, yeah. Well, that's not my production company. No, no, but, um, but yeah. That's with Shinawil and yeah. Zephyr Productions in the UK. And yeah, that's I think they're finishing it up now and just figuring out when they're going to release it. I'm dying okay. to see it. Mm. Great. But yeah, hopefully they have a cast and crew screening soon. Yeah, because yeah. that was probably a year and a half ago or two years ago. It wasn't full. It, it looked was like it was happening at that stage. It was last year, yeah. Right, we yeah. shot last year, um, May, just April, before that maybe. We, we yeah. were in with those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, very good. They were just casting, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, was yeah. in good form that day. Yeah. Yeah. Harry's loads of energy. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, so with this film, then, that thing of, like, you know, I suppose you're you're trying out all these things, and when did it seem that it was going to happen, and how did you actually start putting it together and putting the financing together? Yeah, it was a, it was a tough road because uh, financing a film nobody really wanted to finance a climate change documentary or talk about nuclear energy in any sort of a positive way and um yeah. so we found it difficult to get finance here and actually <laughs> at one point Screen Ireland said I don't think you should come back with this project again like, I don't really think that windmills are that really interesting yeah. <laughs> no, uh, if you could just not come back yeah, yeah. again we ever twice and they didn't get it twice but so then but we the creative at that time yeah. we hadn't fully honed our activist human approach so we went to San Francisco in 2019 and um, pitched it to a uh, an executive producer over there who came on board and that's how we got uh, some American executive producers on and then when they came on we had a little bit of money to start putting an edit together and we were in the meat market Sheffield meat market with it in 2020 and we got uh, Screen Ireland on board then and a sales agent on board and um, managed to complete it so uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of a long road but the first people to come in it's always a bit dubious right but you know what those people who said that they weren't going to get involved were right because the film wasn't ready. You really? know, yeah. I mean, I thought it was ready. I yeah. was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm kind of behind. That's fine, whatever. But it's kind of going back to what you were talking about, being selective about here. And, you know, if you're in a mm. position of finance, you have to be very careful about what you're putting money into. Yeah. And fair play to, to Screen Ireland. They really did yeah. kind of hold off. And it was in a place that was ready to go. And, yeah. you know, there was a bit of money for sure, but the story had been honed. At that and what point. was the thing that, got them on then do you think i think it's probably that we also had financial backers to yeah. support it as well as uh, so that the, there's less of a risk i suppose yeah. that if they weren't the first in because it wasn't a irish-led project as in there there's no irish protagonist right. in it yeah. so you can understand yeah. why our state financier would be hesitant but then we had our partners come on and um 
and the sales agents as well could give kind of estimates of what they thought it would make and it became yeah. less of a risk. Also, yeah. the subject matter became exactly increasingly yeah. increasingly more appropriate, right. you know, and, right. and kind of more, you know, relevant. Yeah. And I mean, Selena dad was like, let's just do this. Let's yeah. just make this, you know, because yeah. I mean, she's French, actually. And France is a big nuclear country, like country. Yeah. They, yeah. you know, almost have pit themselves as the opposite of Germany in that, re in that yeah. regard. Yeah. And um, th these arguments are kind of made in France, you know, but not really else anywhere else in the world. So, right. yeah. Um, but but it's not it wasn't even that it was just kind of a case, I think, where the, the, the film, I think we'd done uh, a good uh, can I say kick-ass promo with uh, John Murphy? Yeah. yeah. Who, um, John, who was on two episodes ago. So oh, he, was he? Very so good. Listen back, folks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just change the name of this podcast to the John Murphy <laughs> podcast. And Friends. John Murphy and Friends. Yeah. John Murphy and Friends. Yeah, I know. Three or four of the last films that we've had. Oh, John yeah. Murphy well, <laughs> he's an absolute hero. I mean, he yeah. took on, I mean, there was over a thousand hours for Atomic Cove, almost. Wow. You know, because it was a lot of just found footage. And like, you know, because they're activists, they're yeah, just... Yeah recording everything right. that they're but doing so frankie was learning his craft at the beginning of this so he was filming everything. absolutely everything right. yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> about that. yeah oh no yeah. sure i'd walk into a room I'd, yeah. like, you know i'd mic up 30 people why not, <laughs> why not have 30 oh. why, yeah they, they, the podcasters here are going oh my god yeah because you know but it's so you were doing sound and shooting it frankie oh. did that all the way through i wow. did yeah, yeah. wow yeah. In 2019, we got a, that first tranche of money from our American executive producers and Frankie went off for six weeks and went to America, Asia, Australia um, and Europe, all over the world. Taiwan, <laughs> Literally. Japan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, it was a really, it was actually the best decision ever because I think it was in November of 2019. 19. And then oh, yeah. the world shut down. Okay. Wow. And then, yeah. To, yeah, I think I went over to um america and that was the first week of the pandemic yeah so that was it in uh, january february 2020 frankie went over to show rough cut to our partners over there and you that was the first time people were wearing masks and everything mm. but we got all the footage in the can what's what's two more years when you've been working on yeah. something for eight well do you know what i got to <laughs> yeah. go you know I, I rented out an old airbnb um in galway and myself and john murphy locked ourselves into this stately home very in crazy house like, we have to have this huge place the, <laughs> the air conditioning and like we can have social distancing and the fridge has to be stocked up yeah there. <laughs> it was a big weird but actually that's where um i think north circular was also uh filmed or uh edited, edited. there and colin kuhn was oh, also okay. edited oh, John this that by John. All, all wonderful. But he was, on, I mean, he was kind of, you know, he was on, um, he was just getting paid for three jobs at the same time. So. <laughs> but that's our John. That's what we do. <laughs> um, I, might, I might just just go back a little bit and just ask um, more so yourself, Catherine, about um, just rejection. How do, how, how do <laughs> yeah, you laugh it off? You, Catherine. No, no, I just no, 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 rejection. You just scream rejection. So how do you, how do you deal with that? How does how mm. does one look after themselves in that environment? You know, because it's always from a mental health perspective. Do you mean? Yeah, or the work yeah. or the response directly from more like mm. is it? Do you just throw yourself back into it? Oh yeah, or well I mean the reason it's re it's rejected for a reason, mm -hmm. you know. So you have to face up to it, you know. No matter what, how much work and how late you put, in, you know, how much time you put into that proposal or you know whatever way it went down, there's a reason that it was rejected, and you have to like really um investigate that and interrogate it and and better so we if we hadn't been rejected with the good reactor 
you know, like Frankie screamed that in that cut in England to some friends because you were at a point where you hadn't, you know, seen the possibility of what it could be, I suppose. And uh, so it's 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 all for the betterment of the project. You can't take it personally. It's not yeah. an affront to you as an individual. When it gets hard is like when you're when you think you're really getting it and then it and it's still being rejected. That's when wow. it's like, okay, where am I, you know, where is it not adding up? And is it because we don't have the talent or attached or is it, you know, what are we doing wrong here? And then and uh, but all of that again is positive as uh, in the at the end of the day. And you know, sometimes at projects that just you can be working on them for years and you really love them but they're just not landing with the people you needed to land with and you might have to just part them for a while, you know which is heartbreaking and hard, but also why, you know, we're all a bit broke sometimes. It's part of the, part of the course, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. They're yeah. stepping stones really. Yeah. Mm. It's the plate spinning thing, isn't it? You know, if one yeah. falls, you, you, you don't want to lose a whole lot. So you just focus on the other plates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It is like the whole job is all predicated on this, like on how you take rejection. Mm. Mm. Because you're just going to get rejected. Like I think any person of any sort of success, of like I've heard say something similar in that regard, where it's, you know, it's also necessary. It's like air or food. You know, you mm -hmm. need to have the rejection to be able to. You know, it's it's great when things work out all the time and it's fantastic. But, um, God, I'm, I think maybe I'm just saying that because this film was rejected so well, much. <laughs> <laughs> what was the thing? But you didn't give up on it. What was mm. the thing? Well, I think it's just the importance of the subject yeah. matter, yeah. you know, you could really yeah. see the science and the people like when you kind of that's really it, actually it just it, and also it's just such an important topic. It's it re to me, it's the most important topic of our lifetimes, which is how do we get off this 85 percent of fossil fuels globally? Mm -hmm. It's 85 hasn't budged and it's not going to budge with what, what, how, what yeah. we're doing. And yeah. so that has always just been singing in my ears that in this entire time. It's like, OK, well we you know that's just not going to go away i don't i don't know if any other kind of topic would have held my resilience to this and kind of um as much um but also the other massive factor of why you kind of keep going is because of the people around you i mean without catherine or des or my pals or mm. you know people who are kind of supporting you and kind of you know believing in you that is a huge element to it too so mm. um yeah, for like filmmakers out there who have this like kind of act activist film or environmental film or something with an issue, you know, it they're hard, they're hard sells, you know, and um, to make entertaining. Yeah, to make mm. it entertaining. So like, there's a few questions in there, like, but like you know, and we hear things from like broadcasters and stuff like worthy but dull, you know. How sure. how do you get around that? And how, like, any advice for filmmakers who want to make? Yeah, films that, that mean something. You well, know? that's it. I mean, we. I mean, that's that's exactly what was happening. It was dull. We're talking. I mean, this is a science. Style. It was something that was kind of uh, useful for for maybe YouTube or you know newsy and that kind of thing. Mm. Are you making a science? So what is it? And I knew that I knew like we we needed to make a story that was speaking to a large audience of you know different ages, and you know had to appeal to to many many people, and. Uh, it, the facts are not what is, is entertaining. It's the actual people. It's the personalities. It's the who are you following? Are they saying something stupid or, you know, mm -hmm. 
um, and uh, and putting and you know especially any sort of kind of situation that you can find them in any th- any sort of situational. So it's a matter of kind of what devices are you using to tell the story. This was a nightmare in a sense because you're talking about something that's so big. It's so it, there's no kind of one line of arc. This is a topic that's kind of dealing with with nuclear power, but it's also about their child. So if you what we did is just focus on the challenge it is to actually go out there and to to make a difference in the world and the loneliness of that. And that's something that can kind of people can kind of latch onto and relate to. So that's how we got out of it. Every story is different. I like think, everybody, uh, sorry, sorry, everyone's kind of a reluctant hero in the story. Mm. You know, nobody wants to be having to do these things. You can see that. Oh yeah, and and it, that that is that that's really sings true for me regarding the actual making of it. Because many times where I was just like, I don't want to be making this fucking thing. <laughs> but but, it, but it, mm. it like it's kind of like a book where the book just kind of writes itself for you, and you're kind of just you're just part of it it becomes bigger than you so um the people and their kind of sensibility about what it was that they were doing and the kind of toughness of it is kind of what we um i suppose latch on to as, as an audience mm. to know yeah uh, yeah and i think if <clears throat> other filmmakers are making issue-based films that uh you're trying to communicate something important to your audience you have to be engaging in it and i think the way to do that is through the people and um that's how we we, we did this and the other thing I'd say to them is to talk to the people they want to sell the film to and see what it is they're looking for so actually if we were doing this again I probably wouldn't have so many protagonists because mm-hmm. now since the what was his name the Tiger King Joe Exotic or mm-hmm. whatever oh, yeah. yeah they you know Netflix and others like them want single protagonist led projects you know so this is where we're finding it difficult to sell as such because there's so many different people mm. in in ours and like we're doing okay but it's like i think if we'd had an individual or a person who you know just one person to ha- ha- latch on to or to engage with it's easier for audiences than than multiple you know mm. broadcasters like it um, yeah mm. i think that like the kind of big stream i mean streamers as well are a tough market anyway because they they're they're looking yeah. for them they're looking for the murder yeah they're yeah. looking for, you know there's a yeah. They, yeah exactly or you know it's is it ufos because if it's got ufos that's pretty you're good in. you know yeah, you're right. in yeah, yeah. so uh, <laughs> a film like this that's kind of topical unless it's got a giant like a celebrity attached yeah. unless you got leonardo DiCaprio kind of talking about that could be good for them but mm. it's kind of what they call um um uh top pole what was it Tempo, tempo, yeah. a tempo movie, which was kind of what the uh, Disney executive was telling me. Is it tempo? So I don't know. It's about ex- you know yeah, activists. Yeah. Well, it's important. Them. Is that? It's, it's yeah. Do you want to continue does, to does live? Matter? You know, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, look, you know, like Catherine says, you know, sir, uh, whoever you're talking to has an audience, and they know what it is that they want to do, and you know, and you have to find the people who want to do something similar to you. Mm-hmm. It's like anything in life. Yeah. Um, so that's a good point of. Um, of example for anybody out there trying to do something similar well you made a film that like has energy and i, I really enjoyed mm-hmm. watching it do, do you feel hopeful it's called atomic hope do you feel hopeful i feel like i do definitely do i like you know having gone around the world and had the luxury of actually going out and speaking to people who've dedicated their entire lives and decades of lives giving their thought and thinking uh, writing books and you know writing data or you know like really studying these problems I definitely feel hopeful. I don't feel panicked. I feel. I think the first thing we do uh, or have been doing is just telling people to panic, you know, mm-hmm. and that is exactly the wrong thing. You know, we've got these two little kids at home mm. and, they, you know, they escalate and escalate and 
we often talk about being the pilot on the airplane. You know, when when the plane is starting to shudder, you don't. The pilot is kind of saying, "Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we've got some <laughs> little bit of turbulence here." You know, they're not going. We're shaking. Just relax. It's all good. I definitely have this under control. So you know, I like to listen to the pilots and kind of go, "Okay, so you know, uh, they normally know what they're talking about." Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that we aren't in a really scary position and that there is many, many things that are, are a problem, but there definitely is solutions. And we've seen real world examples of how we decarbonize in the, at the same speed that we need to. But unfortunately for many people out there, that yeah. does involve some interrogating some kind of questions about nuclear power and about giving up um, uh, fossil fuels. And so these are very important uh, conversations I think for you know for our leaders and uh, and kind of for all of us because the more that we know about it the more we can inform our politicians about what it is that we want um, but I definitely feel hopeful about being able to kind of work out um, that, you know if you had asked me five years ago definitely not mm, absolutely not really, yeah. well, it's not too late to turn the boat around <laughs> well we have to get to work and you know like in Ireland particularly, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions and yeah. just even allow a feasibility study to be carried out, for example, on nuclear yeah. energy for this country, you know, which isn't currently possible. So like that's like what we've found with our couple of screenings that we've done in Ireland and festivals afterwards, people who grew up absolutely vehemently and completely against uh, nuclear energy came out with kind of thinking about it and going, yeah. you know, yeah. So that's that's huge progress that people can do that in such a short space of time. Yeah. One yeah. of the panelists who was at our IFI screening in September, um, she was talking from an anti-nuclear point of view. And I was speaking to her and her daughter afterwards. And her daughter was saying that their other daughter was there who said for the very first time that she felt hopeful that there was a solution out of this. Mm. And you kind of forget mm. if you're 16 or 17, you've just been told forever yeah. since day one that the world is going to end very soon and you probably have no future kind of thing <laughs> yes. and you know that the, it is so bad right now you know so i think um that hasn't been a very helpful message to the to, to the mental health of our youth um yeah and actually we need to kind of take a breath and kind of kind of to understand what it is that we're talking about here um so i think uh you know also, I kind of react better to positivity than I do to negativity. And I think, you know, sometimes that's probably true of all of us. But I, I thought I was a very positive person until the pandemic came along. Right. <laughs> and the pandemic just screwed up everybody's heads. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I became a much better, more productive person when positivity was entered into my life. And I think the same thing kind of message is coming from these activists in this film where they're saying, hang on, it's OK. We think we have a solution. Yeah. let's just talk about this and see if you can kind of get on board with it yeah. so yeah I would urge everyone to go see this film um, just for that reason it yeah. was it was really refreshing to it's have important some, it's, it's, it's an important yeah. topic it's, and it's, it's complicated mm-hmm. but you know you you I've just felt you know that's amazing at the it's end amazing. of this yeah yeah but <laughs> it, like you, yeah I wouldn't have stayed through it if it was boring and dull you know but I I, I was there with the characters right. and uh yeah it it changed my I it it's not that it changed my mind I didn't even really think about it you know and it, and I was like why are more people talking about this so ho- I hope people see this film That's and I hope it's a catalyst yeah, yeah. yeah you know it's funny some some of the people seen it have said that they have felt especially older Irish people have said they felt themselves defrosting yeah. while watching it because they're coming from a point where I was at Carnsore Point I was at you know. Mm-hmm. 
we made it impossible for nuclear power to be, you know, we made it, we pro made it prohibited. But um, if you can feel yourself defrosting to something, there's an awful lot of emotional and psychological stuff that's kind of going on there that might not be based in the actual kind of, you know, in, in the fact. So, look, all, all I hope is is that I can kind of instigate some form of interest in the, in, the, in the topic and that people can kind of go out and Google it for themselves and do their own research and, you know, let's keep the conversation going. Absolutely. Um, would you have any, if there, if you were able to talk to yourself starting out on this road and would say this road to you, what would you, what would you scream Get at? Get the bus. At the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the younger you. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, do you mean a film career? Uh, film career project? or this project? Oh. Yeah. Oh God! Do you know what? I don't think even other filmmakers could even appreciate this film because it's, yeah, yeah. There's a similar movie that's just come out by. It hasn't. I don't think it's even out yet by Oliver Stone called Nuclear, okay. and it's a he in it. He approached it as him, the filmmaker, making the argument for nuclear power. And if you go and listen to his interviews about it, he's talking about how this was the most difficult film he's ever made. And I know why. It's because mm. it's such a difficult story to tell. And mm. and he is Oliver Stone. He is, the you know, Mr. Um, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, too. And he does big complex. He does big, massive yeah. budgets as well. Like, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So so um, that made me feel really good that he had a heart. <laughs> no, yeah. but I think um, uh, I'm really proud that we were able to kind of form it and make it. And, you know, I can't believe it's in cinemas now. I'm, like, you know, we were actually at this part of the journey. Um, but I think if I was to go back and kind of talk to myself, I'd probably say something along the lines of... Um, to to listen to older producers <laughs> to uh you know and also to kind of um relax about it and kind of you know um one of the problems i think when it comes to especially young filmmakers is that they tell everybody that what they're doing and i uh, did a kickstarter very early i think 2012 2013 which meant that every person every tom dick and harry in the world has been asking me how's that film coming along how's that film coming along and that was kind of stressful you know that was kind of mm -hmm. hard it's not like if you work in the we bank know, we know that particular role yeah, well, there you go <laughs> I mean I, I think and I think any kind of filmmaker can kind of appreciate that like you know oh, how's the filmmaking coming along you know and yeah. you don't like that question it's not like if you're in the bank or if you're working anywhere yeah. else that people are kind of asking you about your work and how's that coming along they don't mean it to be, but it no, feels like a loaded question. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, it, so so that can be tricky and that can be hard. But it, I think I, I think I would tell myself just to relax about that and it's just it's fine. Don't worry about it. People are just being friendly and nice. <laughs> whatever. But it, it is, you know. So I think um, I think it's uh, I just tell myself to relax. Yeah. Um, what would you do? I think I would say just hold on and stay in your lane and take one step at a time. And that you'll just you'll get there, because that's if I it was so tough at different points, mm. and we had moments of what are we doing? Should we ha should we keep going with this? But if you just stay in lane, stay focused, keep your eye on what you're doing, and just keep taking one step at a time, and stop getting don't get overwhelmed by the mammoth task in front of you, then you'll you'll get through it. Brilliant! Thank you guys so much for coming in, and best of luck with everything. So where can people see the film? So we are in cinemas in the UK and Ireland. We are, I think we've got a special screening in London at the Bertha Dock House on Wednesday. And then we are in um, Dublin, I think, in the Light. IFI Lighthouse. And, and the Lighthouse. And yeah. then we are in Cork in the, uh, I'm not sure where in Cork, Omniplex is. Mm. 
Um, and in the Palace in Galway. Palace in Galway. Yeah. I think it might be in Belfast too. Yeah. yeah. So right. we're, we're going to yeah. be there. And then if you missed that, then come to atomicope.ie.com or atomicope.ie.com.uk.org. <laughs> 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 Brilliant. That was great. Thanks, Thanks very much. Cheers, Cheers folks. Thanks, Thanks a million. Us.